I am going to enter from stage right. That was the best communion thought. It was awesome. And then you clapped for communion. Nobody ever claps for communion. I think that's what he was like. He was like, okay, we're done. <laughs> that was awesome. We love it. We love it. Well, Happy New Year again. It's good to see you. I uh, love this time of year. Uh, this is one of my favorite times of year. In some ways, it is because, uh, you know, I do personal evaluations in my own life, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Uh, every year about this time of the year, I just sort of do an inventory check and say, how am I doing in this area? I do that throughout the year, but this is the big one, you know, where I just kind of say, all right, how are things, let's do a checkup, you know, just like you go to the doctor for a physical every year, hopefully, I do a checkup. And if you're like me, maybe I'm alone in this, but I have a feeling that I'm not. If you're like me, uh, I'll have a change that I want to make. Uh, let's just take losing weight, for instance, or working out. There's a good one, working out. And I'll say, okay, I'm going to work out. I'm going to hit it hard this year, you know. And then January goes really well. And, you know, people ask you, how you doing? Man, I'm great. I'm doing it. I'm right on it. I'm gonna... February comes along. They go, how you doing? I'm like, eh, you know. I could probably do a little bit better. And then March comes along, and your friends ask you, how's it going? You kind of go, well, and you do the walk of shame, you know, because you've kind of already given up. So the question I want to ask, I don't know, anybody else relate to that? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. So I, I just wanted to make sure I didn't feel completely alone up here. But the question that I want to ask us today, and this is what I want to deal with for just about 25, 30 minutes or so, is how can we give ourselves the greatest opportunity for lasting change? I mean, how can we give ourselves, how can we set ourselves up for the greatest level of success that the change will last beyond January? How can it last for a lifetime, really? So how can we give ourselves the greatest opportunity for lasting change? Now, just I'll go ahead and be transparent, although I probably don't have to be transparent about this because um, I'm up here in front of you. But I have battled with my weight. For probably the last 20 years, I've battled with my weight. Now, before that, 35 and, and the first 35 years, I could eat whatever I could eat whatever I wanted. You know, it didn't matter. I could eat whatever I wanted. I could drink whatever I wanted. It didn't affect me. I still stayed, you know, trim and and cut, you know. And uh, <laughs> but nine surgeries later, five on my right knee alone, uh, I gained every surgery. It seemed like I gained weight, gained weight, gained weight. And I've yo-yoed with my weight for so many years. In fact, I've lost 40 pounds at one time, and then shamefully, the walk of shame, I gained it all back, and then some. I lost 40 pounds another time right before COVID, and then shamefully, COVID happened. You know, it was rough. And so I gained a lot of weight. And so, but recently, recently, I and I hesitate to tell you this, but recently I've lost 23 pounds. And so... Um, I. Have a long way to go. I uh, want to lose another 40, if you can imagine that. I'm still having trouble imagining it. But my, one of my best friends called me the other day, and he said, hey, man, how's your weight loss going? And I told him, you know, I, it's going pretty good. I said, I've lost 20 pounds, and, but, you know, I've just sort of leveled off. Now I'm just sort of hovering around 235. He goes, oh, boy, I probably wouldn't say hovering. <laughs> anyway, he was one of my best friends. 
But I hesitate to tell you about my challenge, honestly. I hesitate to tell you about my challenge and what my goals are. I hesitate to tell you because so many times I've made that commitment to make some change. And then I tell people, or I stand up in my case, I stand up and tell a whole bunch of people. And, and, then, and then it seems like you're doing some, so well. And then something happens in your life that disrupts your schedule of life or you find yourself right back where you started and then that even causes further frustration because you feel like a failure and, and that's why I say it's like the walk of shame and I know for me I want lasting change and I know you do too I know you do uh, but sometimes it feels like that we have this great desire to change I think all of us we have this desire to change but we feel like we don't have the power to change but here's the really good news, and I don't know if it's really good news, or at least I just find comfort in this a little bit, that we're not alone in how we feel about this. We're not alone. You're not alone in how you feel about that. Come around, around February and March, you're not alone. In fact, what I see throughout Scripture is that even all of the great and mighty leaders in the Bible felt that way too. And, and sometimes there's just a little bit of... of uh, comfort other people are going through the same challenges that you're going through you know we and all of the great leaders in the bible face the same challenge that you and i face and that is that we all have weaknesses in our lives that we would like to change and when i think about the some of the great leaders i think you have to include the apostle paul into that mix so if you're if you're new to the bible the apostle paul he wrote actually half of the new testament of what has transformed our churches, what's transformed our lives through Jesus Christ. He wrote half of that. He was the world's leading, uh, first leading church planter. He planted churches everywhere he went. And the Apostle Paul has radically changed culture even 2,000 years later. Now, he had a lot of failures, but God chose to use him in spite of his failures. But he even talks about this challenge that we're going to talk about through this series, The Power to Change. He even talks about this when he was writing to the Christians in Rome. And so here, this comes from Romans chapter 7. This is what Paul says, and I've kind of, kind of just kind of taken out a few of the scriptures from chapter, verse 15, verse 19, and verse 24 to condense it to make it understandable for us really well. He says, Paul says, I don't really understand this even myself. I mean, I don't even understand this. For what I want to, I want to do what's right. I mean, that's my desire. I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. And I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do that anyway. And she says, oh, what a miserable person I am. And when I think about that, doesn't it just bring you a little comfort to know that someone like the Apostle Paul struggled with the same issue that you and I struggle with? I mean, it's like when I golf. I mean, I have a PGA pro golfer friend, and I golf with him about once a year or so, and I love it when he hits a ball out of bounds. I mean, I just love it, you know? <laughs> and so, because it makes me feel so much better about me hitting 10 balls out of bounds, whatever. But we have this great desire to change, but it seems like we don't have the power to make the change. Here's what I want to say, that real change, real change is not about behavior modification. We have to get that. We have to get that in our heads for these next six weeks for this series. Real change is not about behavior modification. Real change is about spiritual transformation. That's the key. I'm going ahead and giving you the key right now. Real change is about spiritual transformation in our lives. Behavior modification does not work by itself. And for the longest time, and even still today, 
the church as a whole, the church as a whole has really made, I think, a colossal mistake because in many cases in the church over the years, over the centuries even, we have been more focused on behavior modification than we have on spiritual transformation. It has always been, or it, uh, and I shouldn't say always, but it's mostly been about do this, don't do that, behavior modification, where spiritual transformation is what happens with real change. Real change only happens with spiritual transformation. And spiritual transformation starts with having a proper identity in Christ and who God says that we are. And we should, as a church, we should spend way less time judging people and trying to get them to behave the way that we want or even the way that God says for us to behave. And we should spend more time helping people see that the first step and the only way for behavioral change to happen is for spiritual transformation to happen by receiving Christ into our lives. Are you with me on that? Okay. The reason, the reason that behavior modification by itself, the reason that behavior modification doesn't work is that we focus on the behavior before we focus on who we are. And, and, and it's, like try, it's like trying to get rid of a, a, a weed, but you're only tearing it off at the ground level and you're not getting to the root of the problem. And you can't change your behavior until you change your identity. You can't change your behavior until you change your identity or at least know what your identity truly is. That's why, hang on to this, that's why we need to focus on the who before the do. Okay? Sounds like a Dr. Seuss. That's why we need to focus on the who before the do. And when we focus only on the do, right, before the who, we are simply treating symptoms of a problem rather than getting to the root core, the systemic problem in our life. We have to get to the systemic change that needs to happen and stop trying to only treat the symptoms of a problem. But we focus so much on the symptom of a problem. What's your problem? You know, maybe it's I want to lose weight or I want to be more disciplined. I want to pray more. I want to be less angry. I want to be less sad. I want to be a loving husband or wife. I want to stop this addictive behavior. I want to be free. I want to stop looking at images in my mind that I shouldn't see. I, I want to stop going into debt. Whatever it is, whatever it is for you, we all share some of those together, right? There, nobody's alone in that. But whatever it is for you, those are symptoms. Those are just symptoms of a greater problem in our lives. My African friend shares, shares this illustration all the time, and I've, I've shared it before. I love it. It's one of my uh, favorite illustrations. Let's say, Paul and Becky, you guys go down to the Mayaka River, and uh, you're just going for a nice couple's walk down by the Mayaka River, and you see this baby, perfectly good baby, floating in a basket down the river. And you say, Paul, go get that baby. And so Paul goes out in the river, gets the baby, brings it back, and you go, I think we can take care of this baby. I think we can raise this baby. Forget about the legal aspects of this right now. Uh, this is just a hypothetical story. But you go, you know, let, let me, I think we can take this baby home. And so you take the baby home. And next day, you go out to the Mayaka again. You're going for a walk. You see two more babies going down the river. And you kind of go, oh, you know, I don't know. I think Ron and Barb, you know, you guys could probably raise a baby. And Terry and Larry, you guys could probably raise a baby. You give the babies to them, you know. And then you go back to the river the next day, and you say, and there's, there's like five more babies floating down the river. At some point, Paul's going to go, who's putting the babies in the river, right? 
Who's putting the babies in the river? And so we got to go upstream a little bit. Well, that's what we're doing in this series, exactly what we're doing in this series. We want to go upstream and start with the systemic change before, and we will deal with this, before we try to conquer the symptoms of change, okay? Now, we'll get very practical in the series and deal with some specific changes, but today let's focus on this systemic change that needs to happen. And here's another question I want to ask you. If you could make one change, if you could make one change in your life that would change everything, what would it be? If you could make one change that would just change everything, what would it be? If you're like me, um, you didn't have to think too hard about that. I, I think it's on the tip of your tongue right now. You, you, don't, you didn't have to really think too much about it because it's probably what's keeping you up at night. It's probably what's causing you stress. It's probably what's causing you anxiety. It's what's on your hands. It's on your feet. It's in your wallet. It's the sadness that you feel from losing a spouse, whatever it is. Now, just for fun, I like to do this from time to time. I told you that one of my biggest challenges, right? I told you that. What if we all shouted out the change that we want to make in our life this morning? <laughs> Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? All right. You, you know what it is. You got it in your head. It's on the tip of your tongue. We're all going to shout out at the same time. I'll count to three. We're all going to shout out at the same time the change that we want to make. Are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Sound like some of you didn't participate. <laughs> and a whole lot of you mumbled it under your breath. <laughs> Why? Because it's embarrassing, isn't it? It's embarrassing, but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be because we all have to deal with what we have to deal with. Well, what if, what if I could tell you that there is one change, there is one systemic change in our life that if every single one of us can make this change, our symptoms, we begin to chip away. When, when we make this one systemic change, the, the, uh, the behavioral changes begin to chip away at the problem. It doesn't go away completely, but it begins to chip away. And that is when we focus on the who before the do, right? And a different and better who leads to a different and better do. Can you say that with me? A different and better who leads to a different and better do. And if we can get the who right, the do becomes more focused and easier. It's still a challenge. Um, and we're going to get to that in the coming weeks, but I want us to focus on the who. The reason I want to focus on the who, it goes back to a psychological term, and this is not a psychobabble message thing, but it comes from the looking glass syndrome, looking glass self, the looking glass self syndrome. I talk about this a lot because it's so critically important for our identity and having the proper identity in Christ. But you largely become who you are based on what you think the most influential people in your life, what you think that they think about you. All right? Did you, did you follow that? You largely become in your life who the most influential people in your life, what you think that they think about you. In other words... If uh, our identity of who we see ourselves is directly connected to who we become. So if the most influential people in your life have always told you that you're no good, that you don't count for anything, that you're bad, you're never going to make it, you know, whatever, then you're living with a fake ID. 
You're living with a false identity. You have a fake ID. How many of you uh, in here, uh, how many of you rebels in here have ever tried to get into some place with a fake ID? Anybody? All right, good, good. I mean, I'm not good, but I'm just glad that you were honest. I feel better about it. (laughs) But if we are focusing on trying to change our life and yet we're living with the wrong identity, then that's a recipe for failure right off the bat. That's a recipe for failure because you are who God says you are. You are who God says that you are. And God offers affirmations, not accusations. I mean, think about this. God knew you and everything about you before you were born. He knew your entire life, your trajectory of life, your journey of life, even while you were being knitted in your mother's womb. He made you. He knows your worst and he knows your best. Nobody, nobody knows you better than God. Nobody knows your true identity better than God. Nobody also knows your flaws better than God. And listen to this. The one who knows your worst loves you the best. The one who knows your worst loves you the best. But God defines the true you. And you may have had great, great parents, but they're still flawed. You may have had great, great children that always poured in, but they're still flawed. But God is not flawed in any way. And God defines your true you. So who does God say that you are? These are all from Scripture right here. That you're sought after by God. That he pursues you. That's from Isaiah. That you are precious in My precious, he says. I am, you are precious in his sight. You are a new creation in Christ from 2 Corinthians. You are not condemned. He says you're not condemned. If you've given your life to Jesus, he says you're not condemned. That's who you are. You are forgiven. You are loved. You are accepted. John says you are a child of God. You're a child of the king. John says you are Jesus' friend. He says you are free. You're free. And you are the temple of God. That gets to the why a little bit, why I want to make some of these changes, not because Michelle's nagging at me, not because that you guys are nagging at me, not because of all, because the body is the temple and I want to serve God. He has said that your body is the temple. That's where I reside. Think about that. That's who you are. You're a host for God. And he's in Deuteronomy says you're God's treasured possession. In Colossians, it says you are complete in Christ. Colossians also says you are chosen. Timothy says you are called. You are an ambassador of the most high God. Think about that's powerful when you think about that. You're an ambassador of the God most high. You're representing. God says, I'm giving you representative rights. You're representing me. He says, you're my masterpiece in Ephesians. You're able to do things through Christ who gives you strength, more than a conqueror through Jesus who loves you. That's who you are. That's who you are. God said so. Now, you may think you've messed everything up, but the depth of your sin is not greater than God's power to forgive. That's why marriage is so cool. Marriage is God's laboratory that he gave us for the greatest experiment in unconditional covenantal love. Michelle knows me better than anyone with all of my deepest flaws, and she loves me anyway. In fact, the closer you get to the core of my life, 
the more visible that my flaws become. I know, I know. Some of you are thinking, oh, yeah, you're perfect, you know. (laughs) You don't have any flaws. If you're thinking that, you don't know me very well. All you have to do is ask Michelle or ask our Monday Church Golf League. Ask our staff. Ask our elders. Ask my mother, you know. (laughs) But you can determine who loves you the most by your friends who love you in spite of your flaws. But even that is still imperfect love. Here's the thing. God knows your flaws even more than your spouse, even more than you, even more than your best friends, and he still made the greatest sacrifice for you and loves you in spite of your flaws. When we realize that, when we realize the depths of his love for us, then our identity changes because we realize that the king of the universe calls me his child, calls me an heir to his kingdom, and he loves me conditionally. You are a child of the king. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, you're a child of the king? Just so we don't leave anybody out, you turn to your other neighbor and say, you're a child of the king. It's true. And when we realize that, it causes us to want to change our behavior for different reasons. Listen to this. It gives us the why behind the who before we start the do. It gives us the why behind the who before we start the do. And when we know we are a child of the king, it gives us a why behind the changes that we need to make and gives us a greater purpose behind every single change that we want to make in our lives. But we have to get the who right before we can get the do to stick. And if you want lasting change in your life, it first has to come from having a spiritual transformation in your life. Listen, this is what Paul says. Who? He says, Who will free me? Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God, it's not me. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the only way that lasting change will happen is to know who does the ultimate changing, and the answer is Jesus Christ. Now, the way to real change, I'm going to talk about this for a second. The way to real change, put this up on the screen. Now, these first two are wrong. The last one is right. Uh, Let me talk about this because God, then me, is kind of a common thought process uh, that some Christians think. They think, okay, I chose God, and he saved me. I know that, but now it's up to me to make all these changes in my life. No, that's wrong thinking. It's It's not up to you. It's not up to you to make all the changes in your life. Not by yourself. God doesn't abandon you or leave you alone. Sometimes people think, well, it's, it's all God, nothing. I can't do anything. I'm completely powerless. I can't do anything. Some people have been taught that. Uh, I understand why they've been taught that, but that's not true either. It's like, it's like the guy that uh, was drowning, getting ready to drown in the flood. You know this old preacher story, you know? If you know the story where the guy's saying, Lord, help me, help me, the water's coming up. And, and so, you know, the Lord sends a boat for him, and, and the boat guy says, get in the boat. He says, no, 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 I'm waiting for the Lord's going to save me, you know? And then a ship comes a little later. You know this story? And then the guy goes, uh, oh, no, no, thank you, but the Lord's going to save me. And then he sends a helicopter, you know? And the guy says, no, no, the Lord's going to save me. The guy dies, goes to heaven, you know? And he says, but Lord... He says, I sent you a boat, a ship, and a helicopter. You didn't take any of it. So it's not not just God and we sit back and do nothing. The answer to real change is that we understand that it's me and God together. 
I can't do this on my own. That is true. That part's absolutely true. But we're supposed to still do our part in this in a partnership with God through Jesus Christ. And so that's the real um, success for change. That's the real opportunity for success for change. Paul says this, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even desire to be called an apostle or do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. And what is the effect there? The effect is the why. It's the effect is the effort that Paul puts into the change. Because of the grace of God, I want to try my best to please him. And I don't just sit back. He says, no, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. Listen to this, church. The grace that saves you is also the grace that changes you. And your spiritual why is God's purpose for your life. The spiritual how is God's power through you. That's what we're going to really focus on the next five weeks. I like what Zechariah says, not by might, not by my might, not by my power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. If you change your behavior but don't change your heart, your behavior simply will come back. You're trying to meet a need to relieve a hurt with something besides God's grace. You're treating a symptom not the systemic of the problem. Here's the last scripture I'll give you. God says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast, Paul says, about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Now, I know that was a lot of who's and do's and why's, and I get it. And if that was confusing to you, the bottom line is today that if you want lasting change in your life, if you want the power to change, it will only come through Jesus Christ working through you, in you, in your life. And the only way that Jesus can work the miracle of change in your life is for you to commit your life completely to him. Well, how do you do that? Well, it starts with you believing in Jesus, putting your faith in Jesus, letting him know that you want to live for him. It doesn't end there, but it begins there. And so I just want to say this. Maybe there's somebody here who wants to pray a prayer of accepting Jesus, maybe for the first time. Maybe there's someone here who wants to recommit your life. Maybe you've drifted away from God and you want 2024 to be a, a mark in the sand where you say, I want to recommit my life to God. Remember, there's no sin that's greater than God's power to forgive. John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins. Here's what I want us to do. I want you to bow your head and I want you to close your eyes. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes. If you are someone here who wants to accept Jesus for the first time, would you simply raise your hand? Don't look around, just simply raise your hand. If, you, if you've drifted away from God and you know that you need to recommit your life to God, would you raise your hand? Would you just simply raise your hand? Hi. Okay, cool. Let's all stand together. And I, or, or, so I want to do, I think all of us could pray this prayer. 
This prayer is applicable to all of us, whether you raised your hand or there's a few people that raised their hand to accept Jesus for the very first time. Some of you said you wanted to recommit. But let's all pray this together. I'm going to pray this, and then would you repeat this prayer after me? Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sins. Jesus, save me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can do your will. So I can show your love. So I can make you known. Thank you for giving me new life. And I give all my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, let's celebrate life change this morning. And let me tell you, if you, if you raised your hand that you wanted to accept Jesus or you wanted to recommit your life to Christ, we're, we have a group of people that would love to pray with you. And it'll be up here in the front, stage right, house left, right over here to your left. And, uh, and we'll be up here. We'd like to pray for you as we uh, sing this song. You can come up this way if you want. Uh, we'd love to talk to you. Thanks.